0: Like um, today is going to be a good day in church. I feel like it's going to be a good message. I really do. I feel as if like what I'm about to speak to you, I believe is really useful information. I've hope that what we speak about from the front is always useful but today this is going to be hugely practical there's going to be tons of stuff that you can take away from today that's really practical advice that may see you with a new ability to handle some stuff differently that you may not have had before and bring some clarity to your life because it's certainly been a clarifying process for me writing this message you know a few years ago um my wife Vicky and I, we were on holiday in Greece and uh, we had decided that we would go out one evening for uh, a meal and we decided that we would go and find a typical Greek taverna. So we did just that. We availed ourselves of a lovely meal and a, and a really nice little evening and it was right on the beach with a little sort of decking area that was right onto the sand. The sea was a stone's throw away and it was gorgeous. <clears throat> it was early evening. The sun was just starting to go down and there was this warm breeze blowing in off the sea. It was like we were in full on holiday mode. We were were living the dream. We'd finished our tea. We were sitting there with a strawberry daiquiri and a pint because Vicky loves a good pint after her tea. So there we were on the chairs right by the beach and the breeze was just coming in and conversation had just lulled for a couple of seconds, and we all was right with the world. We were just in holiday mode. The sun had been out that day, and it was great. Very romantic. What then happened was Vicky drops the bombshell on me and asks me the one thing that every husband dreads, every guy's worst nightmare. She looked at me, across the, the table. She, she kind of, she held her hands in, and she looks at me, and she says, what are you thinking? And I was like, "Uh." So I instantly bounced the question back. I was like, well, whoa, 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 what are you thinking? What, what are you thinking about? So she says, instantly, like without even thinking, reels off all this stuff, all this heartfelt stuff about like our family and where we would live and our kids and our future house and all of our plans. I was thinking, oh, really, that's what you were thinking? Because I was thinking nothing like that. So she says again, what were you thinking? So so I was like, no, let's honestly, wasn't that a nice meal and these nice drinks and nice, nice evening. Look at this place. Her tone starts to change. She's like, just tell me what you were thinking. So I'm like, okay, all right, fine. So I said to her, I felt like my thoughts needed a bit of an explanation, like a a bit of a precursor to to what I was actually going to say. So I said, okay, so here's the thing what I was thinking wasn't as lovey-dovey and perfect as what you were thinking. What I was thinking was quite different. So she says, okay, fine, just tell me what you were thinking for the last time. So I was like, okay, so we were sitting here and we were looking out at the sea and she says, yeah. And I said, and I was watching the tiny little waves lapping in and hitting the sand and tracing right along the beach. And she says, yeah. And I said, well, and what I was thinking was, If I had a tiny little surfboard and I was six inches tall, I could probably surf one of those waves right along this beach and I was actually watching to see how far I thought I might get. (laughs) Yeah, I won't tell you for the sake of this podcast what she said to me, but what I will tell you is that I forgave her because I am a Christian and that's what Christians do, we forgive. So um, the point is this, we were both there in the same restaurant at the same time, looking at the same thing, but we were both processing things very, very differently. What was going on in her head was certainly not what was going on in my head. And I honestly feel like we do this all the time with the Bible, right? Because we all read the Bible. The Bible's full of information about life. It's full of guidance as to how we can live our life and go about our Christian walk but what you read and understand as one thing, I might read and understand as something else. We can both look at the same text. We can both look at exactly the same passage, but it's highly possible that we'll then come away and we might think about it in a very, very different way and understand something different. Now, that can be really tricky when we're actually going for guidance about something specific because we're all just in this thing together. We're all trying to figure this thing out together. We're all trying to just understand the best way to do our lives. But I feel like if we all look at the Bible and we understand something different, that could get tricky. It's not a huge issue, I don't feel, with with certain things in the Bible. Like, for instance, no one's going to lose any sleep over exactly how many individual animals were in the ark when, when Noah was in the ark with all the animals during the flood. No one's going to get hung up over, over exactly how many animals were in there. We know they all went in two by two. We know that for a fact because the song tells us they did. But no one's going to lose sleep over where there was 500, 5,000, 50,000. No one's going to care how many individual animals I personally think it must have absolutely stank, but that's not for today's message. But the point is the Bible sometimes doesn't go into the detail that we might like. It sometimes doesn't spell out things the way that we might like. It almost leaves some points open for negotiation, which again, it's fine for the most part. But what happens when we're left with questions? What happens then when you go there? How do you make our way? How do, how do we navigate the grey areas of the Christian faith when, when, when we go to the Bible, our guidebook for life, and when, how do we work out how to live when we're left with questions because it's just not specific enough? I should tell you that I'm going to be speaking to, the, speaking to you today with the assumption that you actually want to know what God wants you to do. I'm assuming because you're here in church today and you've actually bothered to come out in the beautiful British sunshine and come to church tonight, I'm actually assuming that you wanna know what God wants you to do. I'm just making that assumption. So I'm just letting you know that from the off. And sometimes it's really easy to to know what God wants you to do. Do you find that? But sometimes it's just kinda not because the Bible has lots of absolutes in it. It has lots of like this and this and this. It has these black and white issues. Some things the Bible said, you know. so uh, they're the black and white issues of the Christian faith. So should I kill someone? No, that's an easy one. We, don't, we just know it's wrong. Should I have an affair? Again, don't need to pray about it. Don't need to go and seek God's will on it. We just know that it's wrong. Should I steal something? No. Again, that's another easy one. They're the Ten Commandments. We don't need to pray about those. But the other things in the Bible... So it says that you shouldn't do certain things. Other things are clearly permissible. Other things are allowed for us to do. So there's these these issues. There's these black and white issues. But then sometimes there's an overlap. And what happens then? Things that really aren't so clean cut. These are the grey areas of the Christian faith. So what happens then? I've noticed there's lots of subjects in the Bible that really aren't specific. So what do we do when there's an overlap and I've noticed through my life that a lot of us sometimes we go to two extremes we go to one of two extremes one thing we can do the first extreme is we try and make a black and white issue out of a gray area so we try and make a right or wrong issue out of something which is actually supposed to be driven by conscience and culture the other extreme we can go to Is try to make a grey area out of a black and white issue. So something which the Bible clearly states is wrong, I want to interpret through the lens of my own preferences to justify that it's okay. And this happens all the time. Someone once said to me, Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about watching pornography on the internet, that's not in there. Well, maybe Einstein, that's because there wasn't the internet in Bible times, and the Bible's got plenty to say about lust, so don't go and justify your lust just because it's not specifically mentioned in the Bible. But if we look first at areas which aren't quite so black and white until Christians get hold of them sometimes, um, I've actually seen it when the people have used the Bible as a weapon to fight their own personal wars on culture. I've actually seen it happen. Let me just give you an example based on a conversation that I once had when someone came to me and said, "Do you, what does the Bible have to say about tattoos? I thought it was a sin to get them. And I was like, okay, that sounds like a strange thing to come to me with, but I think we all know today it's a sin to get a bad tattoo. Um, but Let's talk about tattoos for just a moment because it's not gonna be a whole message about tattoos, but I just wanna give you a couple of examples just to explain how things work. So they came to me and they used used the Bible as a weapon to fight their own wars on culture. They came to me and they said, why do some people in your band have tattoos and have they not read what it says in Leviticus 19.28? So I reminded myself, obviously I've read the Bible, but I reminded myself because that verse didn't stick out, And here it is, Leviticus 19.28. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. And I was like, oh, well, that's pretty clear. Looks like we need to get rid of some guitarists around here. (laughs) So then, until I read the verse that was directly before it, which says, do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Uh Uh-oh. So if we're going to do this God's way, like we're all going to have like a little side mullet thing going on and a great big beard, which which clearly no one can enforce, but I'm not obviously making fun of the Bible. I believe it and I live by it and I believe every word that's in there. But one thing that we have to understand is that some things in the Bible are eternal principles and other things in the Bible are cultural considerations, eternal principles. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. Love your neighbour as yourself. Thou shalt not kill. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We can't throw the whole thing out. We can't just get rid of the Bible and throw everything into the, oh yeah, that's all cultural considerations. But at this time in Israel's history, God was teaching them to be a holy nation. What would happen is the pagan nations would all wear the marks of their pagan gods on themselves as tattoos. So for a Christian in this culture, when it was being written, would be for a Christian to suggest that it was okay to worship other gods. Clearly tattoos would have been wrong in this culture but if we're going to say that tattoos are wrong we're also going to have to say that christian hairstylists are wrong as well just saying maybe you're here today and you've got questions maybe you're here today and there's things that you just want to know what does the bible say about this or what does the bible say about that Maybe there's rules about Christianity that have put you off going to a church or maybe you've been to a church and that's what's put you off going back to the church because if it's all the rules and the regulations that have come into your life through a church and you're afraid that if you then go to a church, all the rules are then gonna come back on you, then that is enough to put me off going to a church. Or maybe there's just um, so much conflicting information that you hear that you're just kind of like trying to find the wheat from the chaff and think what actually is important and what is not. Maybe you're just a little bit confused. Like, what about drinking? What about watching 18-rated films? What about swearing? You might say, well, if I drink, swear, and watch 18-rated films, does that mean I'm going to go to hell? Well, if you do them all together, then yeah, but if you spread them out, you're okay. So thanks for coming. Let's just close in prayer. Um, But seriously, if you wanna make good choices um, in your life and live the way God wants you to live, then this message really may contain some good help for you today. Because you may have gone looking in the Bible for your answer. You may have gone searching the scriptures for something specific and just not been able to surface with the answer that you went looking for. And I'm not gonna stand here today and say, I have the answers to all of your questions because I don't. But in the time that we've got today, I do just want to have a look at the answer to this one question. How do I navigate life's grey areas when the Bible isn't specific? How do I handle life's grey areas when the Bible's not specific? Because if if there's one thing it would be helpful for us to know, it's how we handle these grey areas when we can't find the answer in the Bible. We all want to do the right thing, but what if we go looking for it and we still can't find the answer? What if we sit down with the Bible with great intentions of trying to find exactly what it is that we want to know, but when we open it, we don't know where to look, and when we look, we don't really understand what it means a lot of the time. It's exactly the same as when Vicky and I were sitting in the um, the sort of ports to this bar, this restaurant, this little taverna thing, we're looking at the sea, we all look at the same thing, but we understand something very, very different. You know, in the book of Corinthians, a guy called Paul was writing a letter to the church about a grey area. And he was addressing an issue with them surrounding meat that they were eating from animals that had been used as part of a sacrifice. We'll unpack that a little bit more just when we've read these verses. But what we're looking for today in the following verses that I'm gonna read are principles that apply to our lives. We're just looking for principles that will sort of work with us as well so let's just read from Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians 10 from verse 23 it's going to come up on the screen behind me and this is what Paul was saying to the church everything is permissible but not everything is helpful everything is permissible but not everything is constructive no one should seek his own welfare but rather his neighbor's Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without raising any question about it on the grounds of conscience. For the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord. If an unbeliever invites you to his house and you wish to go, eat whatever is put before you, raising no question on the grounds of conscience. However, if someone says to you, this was offered as a sacrifice, don't eat it, both out of consideration for the one who told you and also for the sake of conscience. I mean, of course, his conscience, not yours. For why should my freedom be determined by someone else's conscience? If I eat with thankfulness, why should I be denounced because of what I'm thankful for? So whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Don't become a stumbling block to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. So to sum up, Paul is speaking to the early church about a gray area. He is... um, The Corinthian Christians were behaving in such a way which was causing unbelievers to actually wonder what it meant to be a believer in Jesus. And Paul's correcting them. You see, at this time in the history of the church, the pagan priests would use animals to sacrifice to their pagan gods. They would um, offer the best parts of the animal as a sacrifice to their god, and then the rest of the animal would be sold in the meat market, right alongside the other meat. So you'd have meat that was part of an animal which had been sacrificed right next to meat which hadn't. And um, just to give you an example, it would be the best part of the animal or the fillet steak would get sacrificed and the rump steak would end up in the meat market. You could often buy it at a discounted rate. Now the problem with the meat being next to each other, Paul's not saying don't eat the meat. Paul's saying meat's just meat. Meat's not good or bad. The meat wasn't demonic, it was just meat. He's saying it's okay to eat it unless it causes someone who's not a Christian to think that it's okay that someone who is a Christian can worship other gods. That's the issue in brief, but it kind of sets the scene enough for what we're going to look at today. What I want to do today is give us a kind of list of three little points, questions that we can just ask, kind of a grid that we can wash our thoughts through which will help us and, and sort of guide us when we come to these gray areas. I'm not gonna stand here and make black and white issues out of gray areas because that would be wrong. And I'm also not gonna stand here and give you an answer key. What I am gonna do is give you some tools that you can wash these choices through that will actually help us where we otherwise maybe get the wrong choice, they'll help us make the right choice and they'll help us to make, basically evaluate where we are. Maybe you're way down the line in your Christian life. Maybe you're here today and you're, 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 you're going on with God. Maybe there's just some things in the back of your mind or in your heart that you're just kind of thinking, how, how does that work out and how does that figure? And I don't understand because culture's moving so fast and so is technology. So how do I live for God in a way that honours him? Because this particular thing is a stumbling block for me or I've got my mind on this thing. Maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're here today and just checking out church. And can I just say as well, if that is you and you are just checking out church today, man, we're so happy that you're here. We're, we've set this place up just for you. We would love it if you could eventually call this place home and, and come here every single week. But there is some really practical, amazing advice in these points as well, which will see you also be able to benefit. So I'm just going to go through. Three points today in the time we've got available, and I'd love for all you note-takers to write these down because they're gonna be really helpful for you and really practical that you can take into your lives, and everyone else might as well try and remember them because you're gonna wish you had them in the future. So here we go. First thing we need to remember when the Bible isn't specific is that just because I can doesn't mean that I should. The first thing we need to say about these gray areas in our Christian faith is that just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do it. Let's just back up to Corinthians 10.23. Paul says, everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. The central principle to guide us through life's gray areas is that just because we can do something doesn't necessarily mean that we should do it. I'm reminded of the um, theological masterpiece that was Rocky III. And um, when Mickey has died and Rocky's task, he's out to climb back to the top and he's fighting Club Lang, who's played by Mr. T. And the strategy for the fight is to let Club Lang beat him to within an inch of his life. And then as soon as, Rocky, as soon as he's worn himself out, Rocky can jump up and go back and go in for the kill. And I remember watching that and just thinking there might just have been a smarter way to do that. There might just have been a better way to get the job done. I mean, it worked, Rocky won and whatever, and he got, the, he got the win and whatever, but there just might have been a better way to get the job done. And I would say that to many of us here today who are Christians, who may be just compromising some things in our lives or um, poison, involved in some kind of um, activity which is poisoning your soul, and it might not be, a huge problem and it might not be a sin issue, and it might not be uh, anything that's going to prevent you from getting into heaven or anything like that. It just might be the case that there might be a smarter way to get things done because it might just be a stupid thing and God wants us to be smart as well as holy so there just might be, um, he wants us to be switched on, there just might be a better way to get it done. For example, can I as a Christian who wants to honour God and go on with him, can I remove the roof from my house. Absolutely, yes, I can remove the roof from my house. Is it necessarily helpful and wise for me to remove the roof from my house? No. So here's another one. Can I, as a Christian who wants to honour God, can I, Eat five cheeseburgers directly after a full KFC meal. never, ever, ever do that. You know, I know you probably think though, this is an insult to my intelligence. There is no way I would ever take my roof off. I really hope and pray that you'll never do the ridiculous cheeseburger thing, But the point is, if we translate those things over into our lives, I bet that we'd find that there's some things that we do do that we shouldn't necessarily do just because we can do them. So our Christian liberty, the point is our Christian liberty is not a licence to flirt with sin. You know, once I heard this this really great little sort of grid that you can kind of wash your choices through. And the speaker who was talking about this said, this is really helpful when you're considering what to do and to make the God honouring choice. He said, every time I'm faced with a decision that's not clearly literally written in the Bible, you can wash it through these three questions and you'll come out with a far healthier way to make a decision than previously. So the questions are, Number one, is it best? Number two, does it build? Number three, does it bind? He said every time you come up against practically any issue in the Bible that's not literally documented in the Bible, that's not there, if you wash it through those questions, it's a far more healthy way to make a choice. Is it best? I love that because so often we come at this from the negative. What we like to say is, how far can I get from this? How far can I push this? How close to the edge can I get? Can I get away with X and still go to heaven? Can I get away with Y and still go to heaven? And we all kind of try and push the limit. But how about today? How about today? All you teenagers, all you adults, leading teenagers, how about from now on, rather than try and get as close to the edge as we possibly can, how about from today we try and stay as close to the source as is humanly possible? Rather than trying to push the limits of exactly how far God's liberty will allow us to go and get to the edge of where we can go, how about we all now try and focus our minds on staying as close to the source as is humanly possible? Is it best? Another way to ask this would be to say, does it bless? For example, can a teenage boy stay up until 4am playing on his Xbox Yes. Will it necessarily provide a good Christian foundation for his life if he does it five nights of the week? No. Will it hurt him if he does it on a Friday? Probably not. But if he's then too tired that he can't get up and do his homework and pray like a good Christian boy would, then it's probably become a problem and it could do with probably looking at. Another question would be to ask, does it build? Does it build others up? This has got so much to do with the way that we speak I want my life to be about building other people up. I don't wanna walk around with a language about me that tears others down. And you'll know as a church that we're on Instagram, we're on all the socials, we're on Facebook and we're all over social media. And I know that social media gets a really bad rep, but we use it to communicate with you and a bunch of other people of everything that's coming up in the life of church. And I would love to say that my Instagram is great. I would love to say I'm really good at social media and really great at Instagram. I'm not. Courtney's great at Instagram. His Instagram's amazing. I'm rubbish at Instagram. But the one thing that I can do with my Instagram is take a photograph of someone and tell the world that I think they're awesome. So you'll see a bunch of your faces consenting adults. I don't know, GDPR compliant up on the platform. You'll see a bunch of you guys who are our volunteers on my Instagram, and I'll say, This guy rocks, or This girl did a great job, because I want my words to be the words that build people up rather than tear people down. So, does the thing build? Does it build the house of God? And then, lastly, does it bind? Galatians 5.13 says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't turn your freedom into an opportunity to gratify your flesh through love, but make it a habit to serve one another. Does it bind? You know, Often we can disguise our bad habits as freedom in Jesus and he's gonna forgive me, so it's all good, so I can do whatever I want because I can just come running back and he's gonna forgive me. But that thing can then become a gateway to a pattern of addiction in our lives and it's not... Healthy, it's just so we have to work out what those things are for us, and then we have to realize that just because we can doesn't mean that we should. You know, the second point for us to mention today and remember that will guide us on the gray areas of our lives is that just because I can't doesn't mean that you can't. You know, historically, as the church, I feel like we've made ourselves really inapproachable and um. Very easy for people to dislike us because of our quickness to correct others based on nothing more than our own preferences, than our own preferences, than our own preferences, our own preferences or what we like and what we don't like. We, we, we kind of go there based on what what or what makes us tick and we, and we go and judge other people based on that. So I think this is all of us as the church conditioning ourselves that no longer are we gonna group all of the things that we personally find prohibitive into a place where we then go vocal about prohibiting them for other people as well. Just because I can't doesn't mean that you can't. So where do we get off as the church telling people that they can't do something just because we can't do that? Paul says, for why should my freedom be determined by someone else's conscience? In other words, Paul's saying, who died and made you the gray area police? Paul's just like, just worry about your own self. Some people could make a full-time job just worrying about themselves without taking on the troubles of other people as well and inserting our attention and our input onto other people. You know, I heard about a, um, a, TV, uh, a TV pastor. Well, he wasn't much of a pastor, but he was the leader of a church and um, he was very high up in his congregation and he bit, he banned his whole church from watching TV he went on record and said it's completely wrong to watch TV. And he banned everyone in his congregation from watching TV. Well, he went on to have an affair and uh, there was a massive investigation removing him from his job because he was very high up in this church. And uh, they interviewed him and they interviewed the woman that he slept with. And all the way through this woman's interviews, she said, I want you to know that Pastor Joe is a good man. He's a good, we made a mistake, but Pastor Joe is a good man. He's a good man all the way through finally in the closing statements she went on record and said I want you all to know that Pastor Joe is a good man I want to tell you that every hotel room we were in every single time he insisted that we don't turn the tv on he's a good man while they were having an affair I mean come on legalism takes us as the church it takes us to some crazy ridiculous extremes And Jesus said, you can strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. You can be so focused on the tiny things that you miss the howler that's gone right past you. So we need to figure out what those things are that just because I can't doesn't mean that you can't. You know, we should focus on the truth that we know rather than working on the truth that we suppose. And the third and final point today is simply this. Just because you can doesn't mean I can you know I used to work with a guy um, who didn't drink ever he never drank anything and I worked with him for years and years and years and I got to know him really well and years in I just said to him hey how come you don't drink and he says well my dad was an alcoholic and his dad was an alcoholic and his dad was an alcoholic and it was terrible growing up in that atmosphere it was horrible I didn't enjoy it. it was abusive and terrible And he said, so I made a decision very young in my life that this stops with me, so I don't drink ever. And I was like, wow. So while it was okay for us to all go to the pub after work and have a drink, he didn't wanna do it. It was just what was right for him. And we all need to work out what's right for ourselves without judging other people. Because we're not called to judge, we're called to love and accept. Let's not be those people who occasionally use bad language and occasionally get wrong attitudes and then go and look down our nose at the person who wants to go outside and have a cigarette. You see how crazy legalism can make us as the church when we're actually called to accept and we're actually called to love? So what do we do? What do we do about those gray areas when the Bible isn't specific what we watch on TV how we speak how we act our attitudes and all those other choices that are available to us every single day of our lives what do we do we individually filter them when the Bible isn't clear and we ask ourselves does it bless is it best does it build and does it bind me we need to ask does this honour God can I do it with a clear conscience and does it set a good example church time's gone stand with me while we pray